As we get ready for this word today, if you're a first-time guest, I want to welcome you to our church. If you're listening online, the message I have today, it's not for the faint-hearted. The word that's going to be preached today may be offensive to some, hurtful to others, but I do not care. Because <laughs> I believe that this is the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than the two-edged sword. Two-edged swords are deadly. They hurt. They will cut you. This Word is going to change your life. This Word today, if you choose to listen to it, can set you free. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 13. I'm going to do some reading here. And as we go into this word, Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10, it says, He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmities. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now when Jesus did this, a lot of the rulers there in the synagogue were upset because He did it on the Sabbath. But look at what Jesus says in verse 16. So, not, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. Say that with me. Whom Satan has bound. One more time. Whom Satan has bound. Think of it. For 18 years, shouldn't she be loosed from her bonds? I want to go all the way now to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. As we go to Mark, the Word of God says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had come out of the bow, immediately... He met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had a dwelling among the tombs and no one, notice what the Bible says, no one could bind him. So in the book of Luke, we have a woman who was bound and she could not stand up. And now we have a man in the tomb who could not be set free in a dwelling among the tombs that no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound. Look at the language there. He had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles were broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What 
have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, I beg you, they were saying, by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Lastly, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to be the 13th disciple. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done and how he had compassion on you. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, what in the world is going on? You ever asked that question before? Every day, Nancy says. What in the world is going on? As we talked last week, what in the hell is going on? This week, we're going to talk about what in the world is going on. The truth behind demonic possession. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. In Jesus' name, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. If anyone here be bound Lord, now in this church or listening online, I pray through this word you will set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word today. We're going to answer this question this morning. <clears throat> what in the world is really going on. I heard a joke recently that there was a, it was a beautiful Sunday morning and the church gathered together and everyone was singing and listening to the pastor preach and as usual, it was just another Sunday, but it was a great Sunday. But all of a sudden, <clears throat> the devil appeared. And as the devil shows up in this church, all the members of the church just ran out, including the pastor. They all started screaming and throwing each other around and getting out. And the church got empty real quick. Except for one old man that was sitting in the front row, calm. The devil went up to him and said, do you know who I am? And that old man said, I sure do. Do you know how powerful I am? That old man said, I sure do. And the devil said, then why aren't you afraid of me? Do I not scare you? And the old man looked at that devil in the eyes and said, devil, the reason I'm not scared of you is because I've been married to your sister for 48 years. 
And as I heard that joke, it was funny. Some of you said, I can relate, Pastor, and I hope you're not. But I started thinking, can the devil really go to church? Can demons go to church? Are they in the church? Can God's children be affected by what we call the demonic? Are we safe? Can the devil touch us? Hurt us? Influence us? Or because of our salvation, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, does the devil now say, I can't even go near you because you're a Christian now? Well, what is it? I'm going to answer that this morning. Because we have to understand something about the devil. You see, before your life in Christ, you didn't even know it. You belonged to the devil. He left you alone. But the second you came to faith in Jesus Christ, and the minute you began to live your life for the Lord, the devil set his eyes on you. You became the devil's target. Can the devil possess a Christian? The answer to that is no. But can the devil influence you? And the answer to that is yes. Now let me explain to you. The devil cannot possess the life of a believer. Why? Because the Bible is clear that when you are saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It uses the word filled and sealed. Why? Because in order for a demon to be able to possess someone, there has to be an emptiness, an empty vessel. According to Matthew 12, Jesus said, when there's an empty house, the demons can reign. That's how we know that when you are a believer in Christ, and you are actually filled with the Holy Spirit and sealed with the Holy Spirit, the devil in no way can send the demon to possess you. Now the word possess actually means to really control you. A demon-possessed person is one that is controlled. The devil can speak through you, maneuver you, control you. That cannot happen to you when you are a Christian. Can I get an amen? Understand that. Do not worry about demonic possession if you are a believer. You say, well, Pastor, have you ever seen a demon-possessed person? Absolutely yes. And that person was not a believer. The first time I encountered, the only time I encountered a demon-possessed person, it was actually when some of our church members went out into the street in the Miami Rescue Mission in downtown Miami. And I was with Joanna. Some of you know who she is. And there was a woman there. The woman knew things about me no one else knew. And I knew something was up because as I looked at her eyes, there was a glossiness to her eyes. And when I looked at her, she would began to foam a little in the mouth. And I said, this is either a drug overdose or something spiritual. And this woman got down on the floor and contorted her body in ways I could not explain. And Joanna looked at me like, what's going on? But here's the thing about demons. They're real. But as Christians, the Bible says you have authority over them. 
And the second I prayed over this woman through Jesus Christ, this woman was instantly saved through that. She came out of it. She began to sob and cry and worship Jesus. And she told me that she, her dad was actually a pastor, but she left the church. She went into the world, got into drugs, got into all these other things. And she said, for years, this has controlled me. Demon possession is real. But as a Christian, it cannot happen to you. But there is something called demonic oppression. And oppression is different because oppression does not mean that the devil has to necessarily go inside you to control you, but the devil can do a lot of damage on the outside. In the Bible, the story of Job, a man who loved God, a righteous man, the devil could not possess him, but the devil allowed outside means to influence him. That's what oppression does. Oppression tries to use outside circumstances to influence you spiritually. All the devil wanted was for Job to curse God, walk away from him, abandon his faith. And the devil would use sickness, financial crisis, marital problems, his children, that everything around him fell apart because the devil was using outside circumstances to oppress him spiritually. So while the devil cannot control the life of a believer, demonic spirits have the capability of oppressing the life of a believer through outside means in order to influence you spiritually down the wrong path. This is why you have to be careful what you do in your life, how you live, what you see, what you watch, who your friends are, because on the outside it may seem harmless, but the devil will use outside means to oppress you. Let me give you an example. I'm going to teach you demonic oppression through a soda can. How good is God? A soda can has a purpose. It's meant to be open and enjoyed. When you're thirsty, it will satisfy you. But here's the thing. This Coke can right now is filled, amen? It's filled. It's sealed. Just like a Christian is. But see, the devil knows I can't get inside this can. But I don't want you to be satisfied. I don't want you to enjoy this can. So suppose you're thirsty. And you say, Pastor Day, can I have a drink from your cooler? And I said, absolutely. And I reached out on a hot summer day while we're fishing. It's awesome, cold soda. But me being demonic, I do this. And I shake it. And I say, here you go. What happens? You grab it. It's filled. It's sealed. But you know, because I shook it now, you can't open it because that's going to really mess things up. So now you can't even enjoy it. It can't satisfy you. It can't fulfill its purpose because it's been shook. This is what the devil does to a lot of believers. The devil knows he can't have you inside. 
He can steal your soul. He can have your salvation. You are filled by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the devil says, but I don't want you to fulfill your purpose in the Lord. I don't want you to be satisfied in Christ. I don't want you to walk in your destiny. So all I have to do is shake you. Shake your world. Do things in your life on the outside that's going to keep you from enjoying your relationship with God. This is oppression. Church, the devil wants to shake you in order to keep you from fulfilling your destiny in Christ. He wants to shake you because God knows and the devil knows the purpose He has for your life. He knows the threat that you are to His kingdom. And if you're bragging that the devil doesn't touch you, the devil doesn't influence, the devil doesn't bother me, is because maybe you're on his side. But it's clear that the devil wants to shake you. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus tells Peter this, Peter, a man who loves Jesus, is saved and walking with Jesus. He said, I also say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus tells Peter his destiny. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're going to be the one I use to start the church. You're going to be the one I use to change the world. You're going to be the one that I use to begin the church ministry in the book of Acts. And Jesus warns him, the gates of hell will not prevail. The word prevail is a military word. It means to conquer. It's a battle term. What Jesus is saying here is that the demonic realm is going to attack you. The demonic realm is going to rage war against you. But the demonic, the demonic realm will not conquer you. Jesus was clear to Peter of what his plans were what his destiny was. And I believe with all my heart that when Jesus said this out of his mouth, the devil was around to hear it. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything at once like God does. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once like God is. The devil had to have been around because I believe that when Jesus uttered these words, to Peter, on top of you, Peter, I'm going to start my church and the gates of hell are going to attack, but they won't conquer you, Peter. I believe that the devil heard it. Why? Because look at Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, who was also Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for what? For you, church, let's put our thinking caps on. How many disciples were there? Those 12. Who did Satan ask for? Peter. Why? Weren't they all saved? Yes. Except Judas. Weren't they all following Jesus? Yes. But what's the difference? Peter was the one that Jesus said, with you, I'm going to start the church. So of all 12 disciples, the devil looked at each one and said, well, Judas, 
I already got you, brother. You're already mine. You're just lying. You're faking this Christian thing. I got you. That's a whole other sermon. But with these 11, who's the one that's going to be the greatest threat to my kingdom? It's going to be Peter because I heard Jesus say that with Peter, he's going to start the church. The church is going to grow. The church is going to be around the world. The church is a threat to my kingdom. I'm going to attack the church. And in order to attack the church, I got to attack the source. And that's you, Peter. So he said, Jesus, could I have him? He says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The word sift literally means, church, to shake. He said, can I shake him a little? Can I shake Peter enough so that he loses his faith? And maybe I can stop the work of God from happening. And Peter said, well, what would you tell him? He said, I'm going to pray for you. That your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brothers. He said, I'm praying for your faith. Why? Because the devil wants to shake our faith. To stop the work of God from happening in your life. If it ever feels like the world's just against you and the life is falling apart ever since you started following Christ, that is a, an amazing blessing. Because that is an indication that the devil knows something about you that threatens his kingdom. The devil knows something about you that's a threat to his world. And the devil tries to stop us. He says, I can't possess you, but I'll shake you. I will oppress you. And I wonder today, as I sit here and preach this word, how many of you does the devil want to shake right now? Because he knows you're a threat to his kingdom. Well, pastor, I'm a child of God. I thought I was safe. You're saved, but you're not safe. Verse 16, let me show this to you. The woman comes to the synagogue. She's oppressed, not possessed, and I'll show you how we know this. She's oppressed by a demon for 18 years because demons not only can oppress you, but a demonic oppression can carry forth many years in your life. He says, so not this woman, ought this woman being a daughter of Abraham. Notice what Jesus said. So not ought this woman being a daughter of Abraham, which is an Old Testament reference to a child of God. Shouldn't this child of God, and we know that Abraham was a man of faith and was credited to him as righteousness. So this woman is a child of God through faith. But she was oppressed. Jesus said, this is a child of God who's been bound, who Satan has bound for 18 years. You see, Jesus was clear about this woman. As a child of God, you cannot be possessed. But as a child of God, Satan can bind you. He can't possess you. 
but he can oppress you physically. And for 18 years, this woman walked with a physical ailment. For 18 years, she was hunched over in pain. For 18 years, no matter how much she tried, no matter how hard she tried, the Bible says she could not straighten out. She could not get up. She could not. Why? Because the Bible says clearly, Satan has bound. Bound. And the reason that I chose this passage is because ironically, of all the places, this woman was bound. She was bound in a synagogue, a house of worship, on the Sabbath day where people worshipped and prayed and read the scriptures and fellowship. This is a modern picture of the church. Because on a Sunday morning, it's the day of the Lord. It's when we come to the house of God. It's when we worship and fellowship and pray and read the scripture. Ironically, you can be in church today and still bound by the devil. You can be in the church today singing songs with Frankie, listening to Pastor David, even online, worshiping, fellowshipping with all your church friends, and no one will ever know that deep down inside you, you are bound by the devil. In fact, I believe many people come to church bound. The word bound is a word in the Greek that literally means to tie with ropes. It was a term used for slavery in the Bible. Like Joseph, they tied him with ropes and led him to Egypt. This is a picture of what the devil wants to do to the children of God. The devil doesn't care that you're in church. The devil doesn't care that you sing songs and fellowship and read the Bible and listen to a sermon or serve in the ministry. The devil is only concerned with binding you with oppression. As long as the devil knows that after service is over, you're going to be bound to him. He's going to say, go to church, I'll see you later. And a lot of you not even realizing this, that you may be in church, but you're not free. You're enslaved. And the reason that Jesus, of all the words, used the word bound is because when you bound the slave, he was able to still walk. But that rope manipulated him and told him, stop, go this way, that way. And he was influenced by the master and the end of that rope. What a picture of the devil today in the church. You're walking. You look free. You're in the church. You're doing all these Christian things. But at the end of the rope, there is your master, the devil, oppressing you with something. Controlling you with oppression. You go ahead and read your Bible. You go ahead and sing that Christian song. You go ahead and say, Amen. Great sermon, Pastor. You go ahead and come to church. But at the end of the day, because of the end of your rope, I have you with this. Bound. Bound. Don't ever think that because you're in church, the devil stays. Some of the most demonic experiences of my life have been inside church. I had a woman in church 
She looks spiritual. She visited our church a few times. I said, I hope she sticks. She's such a nice lady. My brother was there, and he'll tell you, he was there interpreting. And this woman came forward to the altar during the house series a few years back when I was preaching about demons. And I noticed something about her. She was the whole time shaking, kind of uneasy, of all the Sundays I was talking about demons. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. And as she came forward and with tears, and I thought she was being born again and saved, she held on to me. I said, this is great. She's going to be delivered. She bit me in the shoulder and said all this profanity I could never even pronounce. It was so bad what she was saying in my ear. And it was so hard what she was doing that we both fell on our knees. And all the people in the church saying, wow, what a beautiful experience. Wow, look, look at that revival. And Enrique was like this, looking at me. And I was like, just stop, don't do anything. You know what she was telling me? Stop doing what you're doing. You are a liar and a hypocrite. Explit, explit. And she kept cursing at me quietly. And all I had to tell her was in the name of Jesus, I release you from me. And she was gone. She left out of this church. I never saw her again. And when I was dating Jerrica, dating, she's like, I wonder if he's the one. <laughs> oh, man. We went to Dunkin' Donuts. We went outside for a little cute coffee, a little flirting, you know, the usual. There was this beautiful man, old man, sitting in the table with a Bible. And I said, look at this. I think I'm with my wife. And there's a man here reading the Bible. What are the odds at the table right next to us? This man is reading the Bible. I mean, wow, this is so great. This man was just staring at me while Jericho was talking. This man was staring. He got up. And I see him writing on a piece of paper, and then he got up and slid it to me. And sat back down and stared at me. When I looked at this man, his eyes changed. Became glossy and red. When I read that paper... He said, stop what you're doing. Jesus is a liar. You're going to hell. Started saying all these things that were demonic on that letter. I said to Jesus, she goes, what's in the letter? I'm like, she'll tell you, remember that? I folded that letter. I said, I'll be right back. I walked to this table and Jericho's like, what's he doing? And I was like, in the name of Jesus, get out of this place. And he was like, and he just stood up angry and he got up and he just left. And his Bible was all torn up. Jesus was, and then Jericho's like, oh, he's the one. Ooh, love me a man of authority. But this man just got up and left. Demonic is real. They try to deter you away from God. They'll lie to you. They'll tell you things that aren't true. They'll manipulate you. 
And I wonder today in the church how many people come to church, they look the part. Just because you're holding the Bible, you're not fooling me or God. Some of you might bite me today. Who knows? But I always wondered how many people like this woman come to church bound. Bound with fear. Not faith, fear. Anxiety. Insecurity. Guilt from your past. Sexual immorality, lust, pornography, homosexuality, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, addiction. The Bible says she was bound and could not stand. And if that's how you sound today, think, Pastor, I'm bound by this. No matter what I do, I can't. No matter how much I go to church, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much counseling I seek, I can't. You're bound. Verse 11, Jesus says this. Jesus says that Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit. Jesus called it out right there. Who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over, could not in any way raise herself up. Jesus said two things here. She had a spirit and he pointed out the physical problem. Why? Because some of the physical problems in your life are a result of a spiritual bondage you're in. Are you listening? Some of the physical problems in your life are a result of a spiritual bond. And while everyone in the church looked at this woman and said, oh, Purecita, look at her. She, she can't walk. And they only looked at her physical life. Jesus directly confronts the spiritual. Why is this so important that you learn this? Because even though as humans, we can only see a physical world around us, there is a spiritual underworld around us that we cannot see. And sometimes you're going to see people physically that you don't even realize that spiritually they're bound. Paul said this in Ephesians 6.12 to a church. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's talking about the physical world. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. You see, what Paul tells the church, we're not wrestling with physical problems. The physical problems in your life that you see because of people in the church were saying, Paul, ever since we gave our lives to Christ, all these physical problems kept happening. Everything is falling apart in our lives. And life got harder ever since I started following Christ. And Paul wrote this letter to the church and said, listen, we're, you're not fighting physical problems. The physical problems you're wrestling with is because of an unseen, powerful, dark world around us that is unseen by human eyes. Paul made it clear that we are surrounded by darkness that we do not see. And it manifests itself through the physical. You say, well, pastor, what about me? What, what does that mean for me? Let me explain to you first that if you want to know where de demons come from, why did God create them? How much power do they have? 
I'm going to bait you with this. I'm not telling you today. I'm going to tell you on Wednesday night during Bible study because it's so profound and deep. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave that for Wednesday as we talk about demons and angels. But all I want to do is tell you this. Demons are angels that have fallen. And there's a lot of them. In fact, the Bible says there's millions. A third of heaven fell. Millions of angels fell with the devil. And devils have demonic powers, just like angels. Demons are angels that have fallen. But they were not stripped of their power. Demons are powerful. Demons are ranked just like angels. In fact, the Bible says that there are, there are demons that are so powerful they haven't even been released on earth yet till the end times. But here's one thing you have to know about demons. Hebrews 13, 1 through 2. Brace yourself, church. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing some, have unwittingly entertained what? Angels. And here's a, just one fact I want to give you before Wednesday night about angels and demons. They have the power to manipulate human appearance. In the Old Testament, you see that angels visited Abraham. And Abraham was like, hey, would you like a glass of milk? Literally what he said. Had no idea for a moment that these were angels. Lot saw angels visit his home. And he said, would you like to stay the night, have dinner, and, and just go on your travels the next day? He had no idea he was entertaining angels. And here's the truth about demonic powers. They have the same exact power. That's why people tell me, Pastor, I saw my dead grandma the other day. Pastor, I saw my uncle. He's been dead for 20 years. Let me tell you what you're seeing. You are seeing a demonic spirit lying to you in a form of what you recognize. If some people can entertain angels without knowing it, Believe me when I tell you, you can entertain demons and not know. The word entertain in the Greek literally means to open up your home and welcome. And church, let me be real with you. If Abraham being a child of God and Lot being a child of God and many other people being Mary and Joseph being children of God, if they can entertain angels, believe me, you can entertain a demon and not know. You can welcome a demon to your home and not know. Would you guys like to know how? How to entertain a demon. Mark chapter 5, 2 and 11. We opened up with this verse. When he had come out of the boat, immediately he met him out of the tomb. 
There was a man with a what? Jesus identifies the spirit as unclean. And notice, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. Remember in the story, this man told Jesus he was in the tombs and he begged Jesus to go into the swine. Why? Because in the Old Testament, graveyards and pigs were considered unclean. The word unclean literally means unfit to serve God. In other words, that they were begging him to enter an area where they fit in. That's what unclean means. It's something that it is not fit for serving God. I wonder how many unclean things we do in our daily lives. How many things are not fitting in the life of a believer? They ask for the tomb and they ask for pigs. Why? Because tombs are dead places and pigs are filthy. And I wonder how many little piggies I have here today. Where the devil looks at you and says, Who? I fit right in. This house. Look at this house. There's anger, strife, pornography, lust, profanity, evil. Look what they're watching. Look at the music. Hey, I like this place. I fit right in. Jesus says, This man had an unclean spirit. It was not fit to honor God. If you would ask yourself a simple question, is what I'm doing, watching, who I'm with, fitting to serve God? If the answer is no, get it out of your life. Because today there are so many filthy, dead things people enjoy. Demons are territorial. They need environments to survive. Whenever you are accepting and compromising things that are not fitting for a believer, you ever notice that it affects your spiritual life? You're not going to be floating in the bed, spinning your head around and regurgitating like the exorcist. But when you are walking in unclean things, don't tell me you feel closer than God than ever before. Don't tell me it doesn't affect your mood. Don't tell me it doesn't affect your worship. I've never heard any Christian that listens to a dirty song or a rap song or whatever and say, you know what? Ever since I heard that song, I feel so much more peace in my life. I wonder how many things in your life are unfitting. Where do the pigs end up? Downhill. Destroyed. It's what the devil wants. He says, I want to take you downhill fast. And the way that I bring downhill people, or when I bring people downhill and destroy them, I put unclean things in their life. Things that are not fitting to serve God. And I'm just going to excuse it, justify it, compromise, say I just listened to the beats. You know what I told Jericho this morning? You know what's unfair? If I was preaching this sermon and I said one bad word, I'd probably lose my job. If I said, well, hey, you guys are, mm, you got to, the board would call me in, 
Some of you will start, oh, I bet he talks like that all the time. Just one bad word. But I bet if I go into your iPod and listen to all the garbage you listen to, how many bad words are there? I pastor, I just listen to the beat. Okay, if I would say a bad word but put a nice beat to it, would it be okay? Why is it okay for us then to say, hey, I'm going to listen to garbage, watch garbage, and live like garbage, but hey, it's okay. The song's about love. The song's not that bad. But that's what the devil does. I just want to put something unclean in your life. Some of you are dating little piggies. You know he ain't saved, but that piggy's hot, like bacon. And you said, well, maybe he'll come to church. You know what the devil does? He's trying to lead you downhill fast. And we have a little piggy problem in church today. Because after this service is over, I guarantee from Monday through Saturday, the pigs are going to come home. And it's no wonder that your life's going downhill. Your marriage is going downhill. Your kids are going downhill. Your life, everything. Why? Because you have invited a territory into your home that is fitting for the devil. The devil, the Bible says, is an angel of light. You think the devil's going to tell you it's going downhill? He makes it look innocent. He makes it look sweet, inviting. Because the devil is a liar. The devil's number one job with demonic spirits is to, listen, they start with three Ds, deceive, distract, deter. He wants to deceive you, distract you, to deter you from worshiping God. And this is what he's going to do. As an angel of light, he's going to tell you it's not that bad. How is it? Look, for all my boomers, let's be honest. From the time you were born to now, did you ever think you live in the world you're living in right now? You know how it started? The same way it started for the demon-possessed man. In the land of the Gerasene, it's a holy land. It's in Jerusalem, but it borders Gentile land, ungodly people. And they were on this borderline. And because they were on that borderline for so long, they started welcoming the business of pig herding. There was a lot of money to be made. And let me tell you something about the truth of the world we live in. The filthiest things bring the most money. That's why you see Hollywood and the music industry and everything with filth bringing in billions of dollars a year because there is money to be made in filth. But they welcomed it. Angel of Light says it's not a big deal. Oh yeah, it was just a little sex scene, but hey, there was no nudity. Well, it's just one gay person as a character, but hey, that's okay. It's only a few bad words. And how many programs and music do we listen to that in one hour you can identify at least ten things that are not honoring to God? An angel of light. To deceive, distract, and deter. Let me show you some of the ways that he deters you. Can I keep going? Deuteronomy 4, 16, 20. 
Do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in the form of whether a man, a woman, look at the next verse, an animal on the ground or a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground or fish in the deepest sea. What's he talking about? And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the people on earth. You see, the devil wants to deceive and distract and deter you. He's saying, listen, he's talking about zodiac here. What do you guys see here? You see stars, and what do you see? Gemini, you see a woman, you see a man, you see creatures. The stars in the sky. Innocent enough. Disgusting to God. The devil says, it's, it's, not, it's harmless. This is how you can tell someone's personality. This is how you can tell someone's future. Why? Because the devil wants to take unclean things to replace God. Let me tell you who gives you your personality. God Almighty gave you that personality. Let me tell you who guides your future. God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, guides your future. But the devil says, no, it's not God. It's Aquarius. And some of you are so piggy. You're such a pig. You say, oh my God, you're such a cancer. Oh my God, I've met this guy. I don't think he's for me. He's such a Leo. Christians talk like this. Be careful when you're tempted, the Bible says, to worship. You're not a Leo. You're not an Aquarius. You're a child of God. But they try to determine this, just, just follow the stars. And it aligns. Pastor, that seems harmless. It's demonic. Don't ever tell anyone your sign. Because you have none. You were born on that day because your mama and daddy decided nine months ago to get it on. Amen? So when Kelly's born on the 17th, it's not because she's a this or she's that. It's because nine months ago, I'm telling you, I was there, me and Jericho. Angel of light. Deuteronomy 18, 9 and 12. When you enter the land the Lord God has given you, notice that God's giving you this land like he gave us the stars, but the devil says, no, 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 wasn't God. Be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, God says, never sacrifice your sons or daughters that burn offerings. Do not let your people practice fortune-telling. Where are all my Miss Cleo fans at? He says, don't practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells, or functions, or media. You say, well, pastor, I don't do any of that, but how many movies do you watch that do? How many shows? How many people do you know? I, I, got, I got something for you. I can do this and do that and kill this, and, and Mira, you're going to be married next year. We all know people involved in this. Mediums that contact the dead, psychics that tell the future or call for spirits from the dead. 
Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. How simple can it get? It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. God is clear. Have nothing to do with the dead. We live in a culture that's just so accepting of all of this. It's in our movies. It's in our shows. It's in our homes. Oh, it's October. It's Halloween. Let's dress up. Let's worship the dead. Listen to me. It's wrong. It's not cute. It's wrong. Leviticus 19.31 Do not defile yourself. The word defile means to be made unclean. Do not be unclean. Do not defile yourself by turning to mediums, to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord. I'm your God. Why did God say, I'm your God? Because the devil tries to get you to say, if you need guidance and contact the dead, but God says, I'm God. I control life. I control death. Ezekiel 13, 20. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I'm against all your magic charms. The word charms are in the Hebrew. It's amulet. It's a stone. We live in a time right now where stones are so popular. Stones are used to clean houses and clean people and, and help you and heal and grow. And Oh, the energy. It's not only weird, it's demonic. I'm against all your magic charms which you use to ensnare my people like birds. I will tear them from your arms, setting my people free like birds set free from a cage. God says, I want to set you free from that. You notice that everything that we worship are things God gave us. God gave us the stars in the sky. The devil says, worship it. God gave us the rocks. The devil says, worship it. The devil leads you this way. Exodus 32, 3-4. All people took the gold rings from their ears. Like, wait, 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 don't touch my earrings. Listen to me, wait. All the people took the gold rings from their ears. This is the nation of Israel when they were going to the promised land. And God blessed them. As they left Egypt, everyone took their jewelry off and gave it to the Israelites. That was a gift from God. Here's where the devil turned it around. Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into a shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of war. Now church, who brought the people out of Egypt? God did. But what did the devil do? No, no, no. It wasn't God. It was this God. The God of gold. The calf. And they got their gold jewelry and made it into a God. Jewelry is not wrong until it becomes a God. We're Cuban. We love our gold. Amen, church? It's okay. Wear your hoops, girls. Strong guys, where you at? Wear your hoops. Wear your necklaces. 
but don't be this type of Cuban. I, I, protect me. This is what we do. We get jewelry and make it into a God that can protect us, that can bless us and shield us. And listen, this is just metal. God is the one that protects you. God is the one that shields you. God is the one that says, guides you. It's not some piece of jewelry that you wear. But the devil is a devil that says, I'm an angel of light. I'm going to make it look harmless. I'm just going to melt this gold down to a beautiful St. Little Mary, a little St. Christopher, a little Jesus on the cross. And this thing's going to protect you when only God can protect you. It is deterring you away from God. Many people get extreme with it. Oh, you shouldn't wear jewelry at all. I'm not saying that. But if your jewelry is an act of God, rip it off. As Christians, the devil says, just get objects. You worship them. If you're into crystals, the only rock you should worship is Jesus Christ, who's a rock in our foundation. If you're lighting candles, it better be because you're in the bathroom or you're trying to get romantic. Not, it's true. Don't be lighting candles because the smoke's going to go to some saint. If you're lighting candles, well, you know. If you're cracking eggs, it better be because you're making breakfast. If you're filling up a water in a cup and putting it by your bedside, it better be because you're going to drink it at night, not because you just avoid spirits. Some guy in the Midwest is listening to the sermon saying, what is he talking about? <laughs> if you're killing a chicken, it better be for dinner. I see chickens every Sunday here at church. They just drop them off. Pretty soon we're going to have a great barbecue next month. Watch out. <laughs> be careful. We get also, we get weird. Hi, don't bring shells home. It's bad luck. Am I right? Oh, good luck. Let me get saw and put it over my shoulder for luck. What are you doing? Ay, un gato negro! Stop! You're a child of God. Don't be weird. I was talking to some weirdo this week whose wife was pregnant. And so congratulations. And her sister said, oh my gosh, they knew they were pregnant because he saw two eagles in the sky. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's a sign. And I said, and what are all these geese around this mean? Like, what is that? What about that pigeon on the road? We get so weird. But you know why we get so weird? Because people are hungry for what's spiritual. And all of these searching for rocks and stars and lighting sage and all that weird stuff, they're actually searching for Christ. They want, the, they want to cleanse their house because they know their house is filthy. And Jesus can clean up your home real good. 
But I know what my people are saying here. Pastor, I'm, I'm safe. I'm not into any of them. You won't find chickens. Water under my bed. Or superstitious things. You won't see me casting spells, seeking medium, doing all of that dark stuff. So I believe you. I, I stay away from all of that. You're still not safe. The devil's smart. Can I keep going? The devil's mad at this sermon. But this is how the devil gets you. 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 15. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Saul was anointed. Saul did not have the Holy Spirit in him. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says it was upon him. That's when God uses his hand of blessing upon you. But notice, an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Here's the difference now. Remember the lady and the man in the tomb. What kind of spirit did they have? Unclean. But God says now, no, no, no. This is an evil one. The word unclean means unfit to serve God. The word evil is immoral, sinful, and anything that contradicts the word of God. Now notice what the Bible says. That an evil spirit came upon him, and Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. How did, how did Saul get an evil spirit? How does Saul, the one who was anointed, the one that God was blessing, the one that was walking with God in humility, how did he come to a place in his life where he went downhill like the pig, where he was tormented? The word tormented, there is a mental sickness. He could not sleep. He could not eat. He had depression. He had anger. He could not rest. He had no peace. He had no joy. He was tormented. How? 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion, he told to Saul. Rebellion. Everyone say it. Rebellion is like the sin of divination. It's not divination itself. But like it, rebellion, sin, disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft. Why did God say that? Because He's letting us know if you're living in sin, if you're living in rebellion against God's Word, if you're living a life that contradicts the Word of God, you are inviting evil into your life. Rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the Word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. You may not be into witchcraft, crystals, Zodiac, any of that stuff. But maybe you're living a life of rebellion. Maybe you're living a life of sin. And it's no wonder you're tormented because deep down inside you know you're not right with God. Saul was rebellious. Saul was prideful. Saul became angry at David, jealous of David. Anytime you see anger and jealousy, you are being influenced. The devil is shaking you because he knows if he can get you in a place of anger, he can get you a place where you don't experience the fullness of God. 
Have you ever tried to worship God angry? You can't. Did you ever notice that usually it's always on Sundays that you get the angriest? It's on Sundays that you're fighting in the car. It's on Sundays that, yeah, we're not going to church today. Oh no, we gotta go to church. The devil wants to put anger in you. Jealousy. Strife. To create an environment of evil. That's why as a church, we have to be careful and get away from gossip and slander and strife and bickering and anger. Why? Because it can create an atmosphere of evil. Amen? James 3.15-16 says this, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and what's that last word there? What? No, say it with me. Demonic. For wherever there is jealousy, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You see how the devil operates? The devil says, yeah, get jealous. Yeah, get angry. Yeah, get strife. Cause problems. Talk bad about them. Fight. Argue. Bicker. Let's go. And that's why when you get into that environment in your home, you say something doesn't feel right. We're not happy. We have no peace. I can't sleep. I'm sick all the time. Why? Because maybe you're creating an atmosphere of anger, strife, jealousy. Ephesians 4.25 says it best. Stop telling lies. It's a little white lie. The Bible says thou shalt not tell white lies. A lie is a lie. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Anger in itself is not sin, but when you become an angry person, that anger controls you. It controls your life. It controls your home. It controls your family. It controls and destroys your marriage. When you have anger, it says don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to who? There it is, church. It gives a foothold. The word foothold, it literally means to open the door. Is where the devil can get a grip of your life. And I'm so maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, I don't do anything magical or Ouija board or sigh, any of that, but how many of you are controlled by anger now? How many of you are controlled by strife? Criticism, negativity, fault finding, bickering, complaining, lying. It's just like witchcraft. It opens the door for Satan. Verse 29 through 32 of Ephesians. Don't use foul or abusive language. The devil loves that. Can you say guilty? Don't use foul or abusive language. The devil loves when you use your words in anger to bring people down. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How have your words been lately, church? Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. As a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit, but you can bring grief and sorrow to it when you live a life that the devil can get a grip on. When you live a life of anger and strife and jealousy and selfishness and lying and abusive, harsh language and filthiness, the devil says, now this is the person I can get my hands on. Do not grieve the Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. God says, you are my child. So don't give the devil a foot. Let's close with this. You guys blessed this morning? As we close this morning, I'm wondering how many of you are bound today by malice, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, lust, bound by thoughts that aren't yours, bound by hatred, You've lost joy. You have no peace. And the devil just has a foothold in your life. I wonder how many of you are going to leave this church today to a life that is unclean. A life where the devil says, I fit in. A life where the devil says, I belong. So what do you do when you're in under the demonic realm? When you're a child of God, but you're saying, Pastor, I'm bound. There's two things you got to remember. The Lord is still your God. And Jesus was in that church, that synagogue that day. And of all the people he could see, he saw that woman. Why? Because when the devil has you bound, the Lord has his life. And he's saying, I see you. The Bible says he saw her. God sees you in what you're bound. But Jesus says, he does something that makes no sense to me. He says, woman, come forward. And I said, Lord, but she can't walk. Why didn't you just go to her? Why, why, why does she have to come forward to you? And if, you're un, if you want to know why our church was ever called Forward Fellowship, it's because of this woman. Because I knew God would lead me to a church full of people that were bound. And this woman couldn't stand up. But she didn't say, I can't. I've tried. She just listened to Jesus and she came forward and took action. Because when it comes to Christians that are bound, it's going to take more than just a prayer. It's going to take more than you just saying, Lord, help me. You're going to have to take action, church. You're going to have to move away from some things. You're going to have to end some relationships. You're going to have to cancel certain subscriptions. You're going to have to take action to be free from what you're bound to. The woman came forward and knelt at Jesus' feet. 
The man that was possessed came to Jesus and knelt and worshipped at his feet. There's something about coming to Jesus and getting and bringing your demons to Jesus that gets real. Where you're saying, I'm going to stop pretending I'm okay. I'm going to stop pretending like I'm free. And Lord, I'm bringing my bound to you. I'm bringing my demons to you. I'm in bondage to fear and insecurity and guilt and lust and suicide. And I'm coming to you, Jesus. Because I have tried. Notice that when the man in the tomb was bound, they tried to help him, but they couldn't. Because some spiritual demonic bounds are so heavy in a person's life, they can only be set free through Jesus. And they came forward. And as they came forward, Jesus said, Woman, thou art loose. And she straightened up and was set free. Let's all stand to our feet now with every head bowed and every head closed. I just want to pray for us here today. I'm not going to call you forward because this is a time where I believe all of us in church are bound by something. And there's no one in this church that's going to say today, that sermon was not for me. There is something in your life that has you bound. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person here that is bound today by something. If you can identify an area in your life where you are bound today, would you put your hand up today? God bless you. God bless you. Wherever you're bound today, if it's anger, if it's lust, if it's insecurity, right where you're at today, would you be honest and confess that before the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I am bound by this. It has plagued me for this many years, this many months, this many days. And whatever binds you today, you will be set free from. But you better replace it with something godly. Because when Saul was tormented by that evil spirit, the Bible says that whenever David sang worship and played the harp, the evil spirit would leave. You have to replace your life with godliness in order to get the unclean things out. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here who's living a life that is not fitting to serve you. I pray for every soul here today that is bound by some type of evil, Lord, and in darkness, for those that are tormented. Father, I pray that we would have such an atmosphere of holiness in our lives, in our homes, in our private lives, that it would cause the demonic realm to be tormented, Father. Because, Lord, as you stepped into that graveyard, the demons asked and shudder, why are you tormenting us? Because, Father, in your presence, in worship and in holiness, do demons get tormented. And I pray that in our church, we will torment the gates of hell with our life and the way we live, the way we speak, the things we do when no one is looking, in our mouths, in our eyes, in our ears, let them be fitting to you, O oh Lord. In our anger, Father, in Jesus' name, set us free, loosen us from anger. For some aren't angry and don't even know why they're angry. I pray for peace over the families and the homes today, Lord. And I pray that as we live our daily lives, that it would be honoring to you, Lord. And like Job, there will be a special hedge of protection over us. 
from the evil around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on, you guys can do better than that. Come on.